there is truth in fiction. Hi, I'm Bill Stanjukevich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Susan Madden. Susan has extensive fundraising experience in the United States and around the world, which she now translates as a much sought after consultant to fundraisers in the nonprofit sector. And Susan is the author of The Disappearing Donor, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Susan, thanks so much for being with us on the Fundraising Schools podcast. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure. I'm really um, honored to be here. So uh, several centuries ago, during a pandemic, Shakespeare wrote two of his plays. In the most recent pandemic, Taylor Swift came up with three albums, and you wrote a book, The Disappearing Donor. Why did you write this book? Um, well, I, I've always loved teaching about fundraising, and I also love mysteries. And it's my favorite genre of books by far. And so during COVID, I actually took a course on writing a mystery and I decided to combine the two, uh, the uh, teaching about fundraising in a light and engaging way. Instead of a, a traditional how-to book, I made it into a suspense novel. It's a very light suspense novel. There's no murder, no blood, no gore, um, no sex, um, but it's just a, a a great insight into the operations of a nonprofit organization. And it's actually done through the perspective of the development director. So she's the she's the detective, the amateur detective, but she also is managing her team and working with her donors and her board. And so I think for people who don't know much about how nonprofits work, like board members perhaps, or volunteers, it's a wonderful insight into that world. But also for somebody who may be a novice, or even those of us who've been in the business a long time, we may appreciate the characters and the uh, scenarios that happen in the book. Well, without giving anything away, no spoilers here, give okay. us a sense, what is the plot of The Disappearing Donor? Well, that, it, it, you know, you can give that spoiler away because it happens within the first chapter. So basically, there is a art opening. Uh, the book takes place in the Museum of Vegetable Culture because there is a museum for everything. There's, uh, they are obscure, there are all kinds of museums. And uh, so the book takes place in the Museum of Vegetable Culture and there is the opening of a uh, Vegetables in Impressionist Art exhibition and two Edouard Manet paintings are stolen. And it's a big hoo-ha because obviously this is a small museum and this means a lot to them that they had this great exhibition and the development director was the one who pushed for the exhibition. So she has a vested interest in trying to solve the mystery. And in the meanwhile, she's trying to raise money and hire staff and deal with a special event and dealing with um, a Bitcoin uh, donation and learning about um, plan giving. And so there's, there's every step of the daily life of a nonprofit fundraiser, but within the context of this small kind of quirky museum with all the quirky people that are in a nonprofit organization. So you have set up this wonderful mystery. Two of the paintings are missing here in this museum and the fundraiser needs to continue to go about her work. What are you hoping fundraisers take away from this story? So every chapter has an insight into some particular aspect of fundraising. And I think the overarching theme is grace under pressure, that no matter what's happening within your organization, it is up to the 
the professional, the fundraiser, the manager, the leader to keep their cool and to con continue to focus on the goals of the institution, the goals they have set forth. And I even have, like I've titled every chapter, but there's even a chapter on taking time for planning, even when everything might be in utter chaos, still making time to do that. And so there's a, a quite a lot of uh, kind of focus on managing people, managing up, down, and sideways, uh, and also uh, getting along and making sure that things do continue on a course, even when uh, there is a crisis. And so, yes, there is uh, the stolen paintings, but there is also a kidnapping, and that's the disappearing donor. So <laughs> the donor is kidnapped. And so that adds a layer of uh, intensity to the story as well. Um, but in in all the middle of this, uh, Lupe, Lupe Ranowski is the character. Lupe Ranowski, the development director, uh, keeps her cool and manages uh, to work through everything that's happening. You know, Susan, some of those themes that you mentioned, planning, at all times, even when the going is tough. It's what we teach at the fundraising school. And we hear so often people say, yeah, wouldn't it be great if I had more time to think and more time to plan? And yet, so essential to have that plan in place. I also resonated with what you said about leadership. You know, fundraisers rarely, if ever, have the top seat in the organizational chart. And um, they're either reporting up to the chief development officer or the CDO is reporting up to the CEO. And even the CEO reports up to the board. Uh, and so we do need to lead up, lead across, and lead our teams. And so just a couple of the themes that fundraisers can find in this engaging story. Um, you know, so I just have to ask you, Susan, where did this come from? Was this always kind of a, a fun story in your mind that you've thought of? I, I know from speaking with you previously, you have a theater background, you enjoy the theater arts, or was this, uh, did you just have an epiphany that this could be a, a story that could help you tell these important fundraising lessons? I literally wanted to find an engaging way to teach about fundraising. And so how it came about is really a mystery. Um, <laughs> I was in the Berkshires during COVID and I sat down, I had a very good friend of mine who is um, also a writer. And she said, look, if you really wanna write a book, you need to have an outline and you know just think through. And she helped me with framing my book. And so every chapter had a theme and it also had to connect to the mystery and solving the mystery. And so, yes, I was taking dealing with two different kinds of objectives in each uh, of the chapters. But once I got the outline, and I think this is just like development planning, once you get the outline, then you can riff off it and you can be creative and you can you can be flexible and change if you, if you need to. And I actually went this weekend, I was, I was going back at the outline and taking a look in, before this call and, um, I actually saw that there were some pieces that I had completely left out that I had changed and, you know, that was not at all part of my outline, um, but that I had augmented others and I had, you know, carried those ideas uh, further along and, um, you know, writing, writing is a discipline. Just like fundraising is a discipline, you you really do have to be committed to it. And so I set a goal every day of how many words I was going to write. And I stuck to that goal and I look, I benchmark things 
And I did some things for myself too. Like I, I had a, a friend of mine who was an artist and she designed my book cover for me. And I had that as my screensaver. So I was seeing that visual support for my goal. And I think that's very helpful that for, for many people, I, not everybody, but I'm a very visual person and I do like to see things. And once I saw that book cover, I was like, oh, darn it, I can't not write this. I have to write this book. <laughs> Susan, uh, what a wonderful uh, explanation of how you went about writing the book. It kind of sounded like uh, being a major gift officer, having so many prospects and, you know, needing so many are in cultivation and so many are in solicitation and so many are in stewardship. I'm going to have a goal of so many meetings every week and things like that as you discipline yourself to write this book. You mentioned that each chapter has a fundraising theme. Where did these themes come from? Are these observations from your consulting practice and from your own fundraising career that uh, have kind of repeated themselves over and over? Yes, these were definitely things that I see in most, if not every organization. Now, obviously, I tend to work with small and mid-sized nonprofits. And so it tended to be more what I would see in a generalist kind of framework. And I think larger organizations tend to, to have maybe more structure around, uh, you know, they're fortunate to have a plan giving officer or the major gifts officer, but many organizations don't have that luxury. And they're trying to develop programs uh, with, you know, one staff person wearing many, many hats. And so I, I was thinking about it from that perspective, even though um, Lupe, uh, the director of development, is fortunate to have a staff of, I think, five, five or six people, um, she still doesn't have everything that she would want. And so she has to become an expert in in the field and she has to turn to people when she is not an expert. And so she's learning to, to seek outside resources and to um, engage with people who could help her with her problem solving. So there is, there is quite a lot of that as well. We don't know everything. And so that's it's why it's outside help. And Susan, I know you have a passionate interest in teaching others and, and serving as a consultant for them. Are these lessons explicit? Do you say, therefore, here's the fundraising takeaway? Or are you hoping as the reader that I'm inferring these lessons or seeing myself in these characters? Which teaching method have you decided to use in your book? I think it's definitely more inferred. I um, And a good example would be there's a, a, there's a chapter when uh, somebody has uh, left a legacy gift and it's like 200 Hemel figures and a timeshare. And, you know, the lupus thinking, oh, how can I not accept this gift? <laughs> Is there a policy that, you know, in place so that we don't have to accept this gift? And then she realizes that there isn't. And so she needs to do that. That's an assignment for herself is to have a gift acceptance policy so that they're not stuck with a timeshare in, uh, you know, Tampa to, to uh offload. Um, so I think it's it's pretty obvious to somebody who is reading it that there are little takeaways and it's going to be different based on the person. There are some people who are never going to deal with um, any of these issues. But then for anybody who is a generalist, I think it gives a good foundation. Uh, anybody who uh, you know really just likes an insight into how nonprofits function, it, it's just a fun read. In fact, I, I consider it a good summer read. It's just a nice, entertaining read. And then it's got some good good uh, substance. And at the back, I have a glossary of fundraising terms. So somebody who is interested in studying and maybe learning a little bit more and maybe studying for their CFRE 
it's all there. So it's the glossary that they give us when you are studying for your CFRE. Well, Susan, you mentioned at the outset that the book has a lot of quirky characters. I have to wonder if people who you've been associated with over the years are opening this book and saying, hey, is she describing me? And of course, the big question is, are you Lupe? <laughs> well, I, I actually am the consultant. There's a small role for the consultant in um in the the book and i i am that role uh but all of us are lupe i think anybody who is a fundraiser is lupe they've all had to deal with the these issues and these challenges um and you know there are some things that that make you laugh and things that make you cringe and you think yes i i have seen these things uh none of my friends have actually come out to me and said hey i i'm not that Central Park matron. Um, I should have had a disclaimer that all the characters are purely fictitious, with the exception of me. I did name my grandmother as one of the characters. So that was a nice, nice little thing. Uh, and That's my, very sweet. One of my cousins read the book recently and said, it was nice you gave a shout out to Grandma B. <laughs> That is very sweet. Well, yeah, all sorts of spinoffs here. I heard there were some things in the outline that didn't make it into this book. Sounds like a sequel. Uh, and, you know, maybe the next bumper sticker coffee mug T-shirt is All of Us Are Lupe. I'll give you that one. You can use that. Um, the book is The Disappearing Donor by Susan Madden. Susan has an extensive fundraising career. And again, she's now translated that uh, intelligence, wisdom, expertise into a consulting practice uh, that works across the United States and across the world, the disappearing donor. And these themes are covered in our courses here at the Fundraising School, about two dozen public courses that lead to four different certificates, either in person or online. We can also come to you with custom training designed specifically for your nonprofit, your association, your region, whatever the case might be. And again, we can do that online or in person. We have our quarterly webinars, these free podcasts, and of course, our how-to textbook, which can be complimentary to Susan's uh, fictional story, is Achieving Excellence in Fundraising, the fifth edition. All of this is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. So grateful to our guest today, author and consultant Susan Madden, our producers, Mike Anthony and Jennifer Boffman. I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.